Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And I have a special guest with me here on the State of the Saints podcast from the NFL Network. We have NFL reporter Steve White. How you doing, Steve? TJ, I'm great. I just want to let everybody know, man, this is where I've got so much respect for you because you are fearless, right? You, you follow me on Twitter and you reached <laughs> out. Hey, man, anybody who does that, I've got time for them, man. Anybody who hustles and grinds and, and is fearless, man, I'm just so humbled and flattered that you asked me to be on. I'm fired up, man. I'm yeah, I'm fired, fired up. up. I'm, I'm, fired. I'm fired up, too. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. And uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you that we're 13 days away from the NFL season? <laughs> 400. 500. <laughs> it's been I mean, a long wow. time. I mean, I mean it, the games, I mean, no preseason. Yeah. Right. And usually in the summer and doing what I do and probably some what you do, we're, you know, we're at, you know, we're at facilities, you know, we're covering yeah. these guys. We're seeing people face to face, coaches, GM, assistant coaches, players, Zoom stuff, man. I mean, let's get to it. Let's get yeah. To it. I mean, I, I only can imagine how you all feel, you know, I mean, and, and also Steve, I mean, we didn't even know if we were going to be at this point, especially around the time at the beginning of March. I mean, we were just wondering, are we going to even have sports for the for the rest of the year? And now, I mean, it looks like football season is underway in less than 13 days. I love saying yeah. that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, back in March, though, everybody was thinking it was all going to be good. We're going to have full stadiums because then we're like, OK, right. In a couple of weeks, maybe two months. You know, the curve will go down. Right. We'll figure out how to manage this, even if there's no vaccine. And then, of right. course, two months later, everything went back up, and then we're panicked. So the <laughs> fact that we're here is is, is a really kind of interesting dynamic. Let's just hope to get that, that curve pushed down if everybody yeah. does what they need to do so we can get some fans in the stadiums, yeah. um, you know, by the third or fourth week of the season. Yeah, so let's all do our part, you know, make sure that we're wearing our masks. And practicing social distancing. That is very, very important. Okay. So we can get back into the stadium and lose our voices cheering for our favorite team. But here on the State of the Saints podcast, our favorite team is the New Orleans Saints. And of course, we're 13 days away, like I said, from the NFL season. But there's a little bit of a monkey wrench. Seems like it's going to be in the plans of the New Orleans Saints, and it involves Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin Kamara, for the last three days, uh, he has not reported to training camp. Now, over the weekend, Coach Sean Payton said he had a little bit of a stomach bug, but now going into the week, he was absent. So according to Adam Schefter, they said that, well, this is a part of a holdout because he is on the last year of his contract. So, Steve, uh, do you see the Saints uh, getting a deal done with Alvin Kamara? Will he be ready for week one? Well, he'll be ready um, if they get it done. And I don't think he'll, he'll sit out and miss games because once you get to that point, you start losing significant paychecks. Mm. Um, and things like that. I mean, they could find him right now. I mean, heavily, yeah, right? Significant find. Right. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I'm really not sure. But, but here's why: because with running backs, it's it's real tricky because right. some people see the Ezekiel Elliott contracts, the Todd Gurley contracts, right. and they want those types of numbers. Right. Um, and you just you know, Derrick Henry got you know a certain type, but. Teams with running backs are like, yeah. hmm. right. with the Saints, I think what Alvin does is so important because of his versatility, his toughness, his ability to catch the ball. It's just so tailor-made for Sean Payton's offense that I think they will get something done. 
Um, it just is a matter of how much can they get done cap-wise. You know, they're paying Drew Brees, they're playing, paying uh, Cam Jordan, they're paying Michael Thomas a lot of money. Right. How much they can get done, right. how it's structured. But I think they'll find at least some type of compromise to get them there for week one. Um, but it's this is not what you want to have happen. No, you know, it's just, it's, you shifted to game plan mode and you open your season against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the thing about Alvin Kamara is, you know, a lot of people know who that nation, they've seen guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield for years. I mean, going back to Darren Sproles, uh, you know, going oh, yeah, back Pierre to Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so many other players, and they feel like, well, the Saints have done this with all those other players. What makes Alvin Kamara so different? But to me, Steve, I just think that he's just a different type of player. I mean, this yes. guy has wide receiver type hands. He, he they, they talk about how after the training camp, after practice is over, he's running routes with wide receivers to try to better his craft at being a route runner. You don't get that, you know, out of most running backs. And not to mention, he can run between the tackles. His rookie season, he averaged five yards a carry. His second season, 4.7. Last year, he had a little bit of a drop-off due to injury. You know, so he wasn't, you know, playing at a high level. Or he was playing at a pretty high level, but just not up to his standards. So I just don't think that Alvin Kamara grow on trees. <laughs> you're not going to find it. Yeah, he's not a dime a dozen player. You don't just replace him. I mean, you can find somebody else and do some different things with him, but he's a special player. As you mentioned, you know, we know all the dynamic things he can do, especially he's a smaller player, but the power he runs with. Right. I mean, he finishes he finishes runs like a 230-pound back. Yeah. So, again, he, he is a perfect fit for what they do, and you can't just go ahead and rock with Latavius Murray for 30 touches a game yeah. out of the backfield if they yeah. think that's going to work. So. Yeah. You know, it's some, some clever gamesmanship and timing for him to do this right. um, now. But, you know, it's it's it's, it's a blow. I mean, so I, I think they'll get something at least to get him into camp and to figure something out so he'll be ready for week one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope so. You know, I think that they're going to get something done. I mean, I know before all this happened, uh, they were talking about, uh, you know, his agent and the Saints organization were, you know, coming to some type of conclusion about his contract. So hopefully they can get this done by week one. Uh, so he won't be out of this game, which is important to Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, speaking of the Bucs, uh, we know Tom Brady is the brand-new quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, spent 20 years in New England. I mean, this is going to look weird just watching him in the Tampa Bay uniform. But um, he does come to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, as you know, Steve, there were no OTAs. There were no minicamps. There was, you know, nothing, no outside activities uh, for him to get any type of uh, camaraderie or chemistry with his team. So do you think that is going to affect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers early in the season? Not so much in that way, because look, you've got, you've got players who change teams all the time, right. you know, quarterbacks to change. But like you said, without the OTAs, with all, without things like that, they can do it virtually. They can get a lot of the vernacular and, you know, Tom Brady's done the work, but offensive identity, you know, what, what are they going to be? That's going to be the thing that, you know, where teams like the Saints and the 49ers and, and the Chiefs, kind of been together, have coaching continuity, right? where they're going to be ahead early. So we know Bruce Arians is the king of the seven-step drop, risk it, <laughs> risk it. You know, take that take that deep shot. And Tom Brady can do that. Yeah. But Tom Brady's also a guy who's seen so much football, right? He sees he sees the field, you know, differently mm-hmm. than everyone else. I mean, it's the Rain Man stuff where he's connecting dots all over yeah. the place. So how much is he going to be checking down and, and doing things like this and having that type of communication with his receivers and – and things like that. So that's where, you know, the lack of having just the off season 
could come back a little bit. I don't think it's going to be significant, right. um, especially because he's not going to be dealing with, you know, 68, 70,000 Houdad fans blowing his ears out. <laughs> um, so Unfortunately. <laughs> right. But, you know, the other thing he's dealing with, in my opinion, is uh, is arguably one of, if not the most stacked defenses in the NFL. Marcus Davenport can never stay healthy and get it together. I mean, that defensive front, you know, with, with Rankins and Owen Miata and Cam Jordan, if he can get it together, they're good. Right. Demario Davis, the most underappreciated player in the NFL, except right. for the Saints and that secondary, right. you know, with Lattimore and Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Right. Um, they're, they're, they're tough at all levels. And that, to me, is going to be more of a problem than anything for Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I look at uh, the Saints. I feel like they do have an advantage going into week one, Steve, because of the camaraderie and the chemistry that this team has had over a three year span. I think the Saints, they, they, they checked the, the pulse of the climate, uh, so to speak. And they realized that there weren't going to be no OTAs, no minicamp. So they took it upon themselves to sign a lot of guys back to the team that were part of the team last year. So I feel like with Tom Brady, uh, like you said, he is a seasoned veteran. I mean, he has seen so many uh, different type of schemes. I don't think nothing is going to be new to him. But I do think that the Saints have an advantage because uh, of that chemistry. I mean, Drew Brees can just kind of nod his head and Michael Thomas know, you know, how to change his route. I mean, I don't think that Tom Brady would have that type of chemistry early. I do feel like, you know, they're going to be better towards the end of the season, you know, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's when chemistry is starting to start perking up and guys are going to start understanding each other. And I feel like that's when you're going to see the best of the Buccaneers. But um, I, I'm, I think that the Saints, in my opinion, are going to have the advantage due to the fact that they do have that, uh, that chemistry. Uh, also, the last question about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I have to ask you, you know, like um, with the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, he didn't run like the same scheme from week to week, like a Bruce Arians would, right? Do you think that's going to affect Tom Brady? I mean, sometimes, you know, Tom Brady would actually be pass dominant in one game. He might throw for 300 yards. And then the next week they might go, uh, you know, against a team where he might throw for 100. But I, do you think that because Bruce Arians doesn't really run his offense like that, then Tom Brady may have some growing pains in that regard? No, no. That's what I think Tom Brady brings to the team. Well, he may say, hey, Bruce, we're playing We're playing the Falcons this week. They can't stop the run. Right. All right, let's pound this thing. You know, we, let's start out early. Let's test him a little bit. Let's open mm-hmm. some things up to see if they, you know, we'll give them a nickel-looking formation. Right. They open a nickel, let's pop it. Let's, let's pound that thing up in there. Right. So, no, I think that's what Tom Brady is going to bring to this offense. And I think Byron Leftwich, having been a longtime NFL quarterback who's the OC, yeah. Yeah. is really going to be a great – ear for Bruce Arians because you know Byron you know wasn't that long ago that he was playing right thinking about hey Tom this is a great game plan okay when we get into the second quarter on this next possession if we get the ball on this part of the 40 yard line moving in here's what I think is going to work based on what we've seen so I know I think that's a Brady coming in a veteran leadership right. left which a really smart guy who's going to have Arians ear and be flexible because hey Bruce right. let's try this and let's see if it works so I, I, I think that's that's going to be a positive for the Buccaneers in their offense. Right. Well, um, I say it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, you got two first ballot Hall of Famers going toe to toe. You know, everybody's looking forward to that matchup in week one. I want to ask you about the uh, some of the uh, protests that were going on. As you know, last week, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks decided to uh, boycott their game against the Orlando Magic uh, due to the, the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake. A police officer shot him in the back seven times out in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, last week also, you had some NFL teams that decided to cancel practice because of this. 
Now, Steve, uh, we all know about how I say how advanced the NBA is when it comes to like doing like certain things for social justice. Do you ever think that the NFL will ever reach the level that the NBA does when it comes to addressing some of these uh, social justice issues? It has. See, four years ago, when Colin Kaepernick, you know, sat down for the national anthem and then took a knee and Eric Reed and Eli Harold and then a handful of other people, Kenny Stills, right. uh, Michael Thomas, the safety, um, took knees and things like that. They were on an island, man. Right. Nobody else is doing it. And nobody else spoke up for them, yeah. especially, you know, the white players. Right. So now four years later, after all of these players and people have seen more of this, and then now in the summer, they're at home during COVID, so it's on a constant cycle, right? They, they don't have football practice to take them away. Right. They don't have other things to distract them. They're at home, so they're right. seeing it. Right. It seems like it's really registered. Um, and then the fact now that you have Brian Flores and Sean Payton come out, mm. right? They're the mm. Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich when it comes to coaches of the NFL. Right. So it seems now you talk about these players missing practices and people are saying, well, what does missing a practice do? One, coaches now are more in tune with their players. If there's players' heads aren't into it, and if they say, you know, damn it, go play football, go practice football, I don't really care about your feelings, those players are going to revolt, right? Players were not that bold before. They were afraid of getting cut. Right. Remember, NBA contracts are guaranteed. Major League Baseball contracts are guaranteed. NFL, they are not guaranteed. Yep. But now the players and seeing what the WNBA and NBA and MLS and all these guys have done are saying, wait a second. If, if they suspend one of us, they're going to have to spend, oh, let's say 46 of us on this 53-man mm -hmm. roster because we're mm -hmm. have fun playing that ball game. <laughs> What's going to happen? You know, we forfeit. Sorry. Right. Too bad. So they're starting to understand, and this is something that people from Jim Brown and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and people back in the 60s were saying, if, if athletes realize their overall power and united behind a cause, right. this, is the, this is the power they have. So they're, they're understanding that. The thing that was a little disheartening last week, Patriot Safety, uh, Devin McCourty, and you've heard some NBA players say this, so we've been in the streets all summer. Right. Um, we've been protesting. We've worked with police officers and legislators, and we're still having unarmed people getting killed by police officers. What's the, what's the use? They've got to understand that this is a long play. As much as you want immediate change, and all of us want immediate change. Yeah. You know, an athlete not playing a basketball game or skipping practice, right? So their parents. So when the when the Milwaukee Bucks are supposed to play the Magic, well, the fans of the Bucks. Kids might say, Dad, how come they're not playing tonight? Right. Well, that father's got to explain to that 10-year-old or that 11-year-old, this is why. Now, he could yeah. say whatever direction, but that is going to shape a different perspective of that young person than they may have ever had right. if this didn't happen. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It, it, it is more of a long play that people have to see while we're hoping for more short-term results. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think about that historical picture um, that, that back in the, uh, the 60s where they had Jim Brown, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and so many other, uh, and Muhammad Ali, so many other yeah. famous African-American athletes. And, um, you know, they were uh, all together collectively, you know, taking a, taking a stand. And that picture, uh, you know, was uh, a picture that really spoke volumes. 
But the thing about this is these athletes today actually have a bigger platform because they got the power of social media now. I mean, one tweet, you know, can can go to the get retweeted over and over again. And that message gets put out there. And also, like you see most most uh, athletes like LeBron James, uh, uh, George Hill, uh, as of right now, Giannis and uh, so many NFL players. These, these guys are on the forefront and, and willing to miss a paycheck in order to create change in this world. And I mean, that is commendable. Um, and also, you know, another player, you know, that I want to talk about, Malcolm Jenkins, who plays for the New Orleans Saints. You know, not only is he the safety of the New Orleans Saints, but a CNN correspondent. But he is back with the New Orleans Saints for the second time around. And as you know, Steve, I mean, the Saints have given up some huge plays in the secondary over the past three years. I mean, a Minneapolis miracle. Uh, we know about the Kyle Rudolph catching the back in the end zone in overtime. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, what can Malcolm Jenkins bring to the secondary that has been missing from the New Orleans Saints over the past three years? Well, from everyone you talk to, it sounds more so than anything, communication. Right. Um, because he's a great leader. He, he's somebody who, you know, look, and you would talk to any defensive coordinator, secondary coach, communication is everything. Right. You know, you've got fast guys back. You've got cover guys. You've got guys who come up and strike. Um, but if a team comes out in a formation – uh, that they hadn't seen before, and they really stress your defensive principles. That communication is everything. So that's what Malcolm Jenkins brings. You know, the Eagles used him a certain way where he where he played very well. Right. You know, we know with the Saints had a really good player in Von Bell, who's who's now yeah. with the Bengals. I mean, he's a yeah. good player, mm-hmm. but he was kind of restrictive in what he was more of an in the box guy, forced a lot of fumbles. Right. Um, so maybe there were some things defensively they couldn't do. And plus, they couldn't settle a corner opposite Marshawn Lattimore. Jack Rabbit Jenkins is going to do that. He's yeah. a good player. Yeah. He's played on some losing teams. So I think being in this environment will be very healthy for him. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's why I'm saying, though, if Marcus Davenport could ever figure it out, if he can ever stay healthy yeah. with his ability, yeah. I mean, if, if they can get after the quarterback, which they're going to have to do in this division, it's going to be a lot easier for those guys in the back end. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you look at somebody like Marcus Davenport. I mean, he flashes. Um, you know, he de- he definitely shows flashes. I remember a game, uh, I think it was Sunday night against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, he took over that game. I mean, he was all. Yeah, you would think that he was he was Delvin Cook the way he was in that backfield. I mean, he was all over the field in a game. Uh, also on Monday night against the Washington Redskins. So, like you say, if the light ever comes on for him, I mean, the NFL is going to have to look out. Uh, but I think Malcolm Jenkins is uh, that key. Uh, that that key part that was missing from the New Orleans Saints when it comes to his leadership and understanding different offenses and stuff. And also, uh, I think somebody like uh, Marcus Williams will be able to uh, learn from him and maybe, you know, uh, Malcolm Jenkins become a mentor to him. And maybe he can live. I mean, he does a good job, but there's still certain parts of Marcus Williams that needs to get a little bit better. And I think because of the leadership of uh, Malcolm Jenkins, I think he'll reach that level. Uh, but I mean, we know that Malcolm Jenkins is a leader, but we have to talk about the undisputed leader of the New Orleans Saints. That's Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees in the offseason. Um, I mean, nobody, uh, everybody thought that uh, he was going to come back, but he did contemplate retirement. Uh, he did decide to come back for another season with the New Orleans Saints. He got a two year deal with them. Uh, my question is to you, Steve, is do you think that this is Drew Brees's final season? Hard to say. Um, hard to say, but I think it depends on how things play out. Um, but, I, but I, you know, I, I no one's going to be surprised. 
If it is, I mean, like you said, Drew contemplated it. He had the he had the episode this summer uh, that brought a lot of backlash from him. Other players around the NFL. Right. He's made some amends, apologized, and most people seem to have accepted his apologies. Right. Um, but I think it just all depends. I mean, they've had their guts ripped out in the playoffs the last three years. I mean, yeah. the, the one last season was just because they were not mentally ready. They yeah. didn't think Minnesota was going to come down and put it on them like they did, and they got yeah. caught. That's true. Um, so, I mean, I think this is one reason why they loaded up, why they go out and they get Emmanuel Sanders um, to help out on the offense. And why Sean Payton said at the beginning of this COVID stuff, don't even bother with a lot of the, you know, the workout, you know, just get your minds right and then let's come back in time and and, and play like we need to play. So, again, think about it, man. We could have Breeze, Brady, Phillip Rivers. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger are retiring, but yeah. at least three first ballot Hall of Famers. Well, I don't know if Phillip's first ballot Hall of Famer, but <laughs> all these guys, all these guys retiring at the same time. Right. Um, which is why Jameis Winston made a great move coming to New Orleans, learning under Drew Brees, because people will tell you, you know, uh, guys will tell you who've been, you know, in that quarterback room with Drew Brees, no one prepares like him. And and the stuff, you know, Chase Daniels, the way I learned how to prepare under Drew Brees is Mm. contagious. So now he can take that to wherever he's been. So Jameis learns that. Drew comes back. Jameis pulls a Teddy Bridgewater. So maybe – you know, he's in Indianapolis or one of these teams where there's a void at quarterback. Because the next two or three years, we're going to lose some great ones. But at the same time, I think the NFL is in great hands with these young quarterbacks, with guys like, you know, Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, right. uh, players like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at somebody like Jameis Winston. You know, I think he called up Teddy Bridgewater before he made his decision. And, and Teddy talked to him about, you know, him playing for the Saints and, you know, how that helped him, you know, and I mean, look at Teddy Bridgewater now. He's making about $60 million out Carolina. So uh, I think Jameis Winston did make a, a good move. But uh, I do want to ask you about Jameis Winston uh, since we're talking about him. Uh, do you think that the Saints actually signed him for, for you know, just for a short time, try to get Taysom Hill maybe uh, to be Drew Brees' successor? Or do you believe that the Saints actually signed him to give him a legitimate shot once Drew Brees retires? I think they give him a, a legitimate shot. I mean, Sean Payton's not going to sign a backup quarterback who he doesn't think can win him games. Right. Um, and I think, and I think, having faced Jameis for five years, he sees the talent. Right. It's just been unbridled. I mean, no one's been able to stop him from trying to do miraculous things, which leads to the Darren interceptions. Well, <laughs> so now, now he's coming to a system where, hey, you know, we're going to take our shots. We're going to nickel and dime you. You know, right. we're just going to out-scheme the hell out of almost everyone we play. Right. So if they can take that pressure off of Jameis, maybe he can, you know, because his talent, no one's going to question that. Right. It's just decision-making. So I think this could really, really help. Not saying he didn't get good coaching under Bruce Arians. Right. He just felt he's got something in his psyche all the way back to Florida State that he has to do everything. Yeah. And if Sean Payton can get him to step back from that a little bit, he could really become an excellent player. Yeah, I mean – but I think – do you think that Jameis Winston suffered in Tampa because of a lack of a running game? Like, when he first got there, I mean, they had Doug Martin. But after Doug Martin, I mean, there has not really been a consistent running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So do you think that has something to do with it? And do you think because Sean Payton – I mean, 
the Saints throw the ball quite a bit, but they do um, run the ball, you know, more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do you think maybe, you know, the no risk and no biscuit type mentality, you know, that Bruce Arians had kind of caused Jameis Winston to be exposed as a quarterback? And do you think that maybe Sean Payton can kind of, you know, buck them down a little bit with some of those close intermediate throws, you know, do you think they might help also with a running game? I mean, being balanced always helps, but Aaron Rodgers has never had no oh, yeah, commitment true. to the running game. I mean, he's, yeah. he's that player. I mean, there are quarterbacks who've been on teams where there's not the commitment to the running game. Um, you're seeing more and more of it. As much as this is a throwing league, right. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers, they run the ball. Seattle Seahawks right. run the ball. Right. Um, so, and you're seeing those teams do more. Like, the, now the 49ers, they don't run the ball. Right. Not the 49ers, sorry, the Kansas City Chiefs don't run the ball. But they, <laughs> use short pass. they don't. That's Andy Reid, but he's used the short passing game as his run game. Yeah, yeah. So they're just different. There's just different methodologies based on your personnel and, and, and philosophy. So I'm not going to give Jameis um, the excuse of saying it's okay to throw 30 <laughs> interceptions because we can't run the ball. That's There's no excuse for that. I mean, yeah. that, you know, in no way, shape, or form. If you don't throw all these pick sixes, then maybe we can be up by 10 and then maybe we can pound the football. Right. And that'll make things a little bit easier for you. Good point. Good point. I, I never even thought about that, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, before you go, I have to ask you about this. Um, Over the weekend, uh, we lost, uh, you know, uh, black Panther star and your fellow uh, Howard university bison, uh, Chadwick Bozeman. Uh, I just wanted to know what, what do you, how do you feeling right now? You know, over the, the, the tragic, Tragic loss of Chad, Chad with both. Well, I'm sick over that, but it's not not just him. I mean, you know, you think about what's going on this year from from Kobe um, to some of these. And then, you know, and then just in the world of sports, we've lost, you know, Lute Olsen, the, the head basketball coach yeah. in Arizona, who was a legend, and then John Thompson. Wow. Um, mm. You talk about molders of men yeah. um, for the long term. I mean, Lute Olsen's a guy who coached Steve Kerr. Uh, you know, and then John Thompson, we, you know, I, I, I grew up watching Georgetown. I never heard of Georgetown growing up in Missouri. And then all of a sudden I see this basketball team. That's all black coaching staff. The only one, only white person was the nun on the bench, you know, and John Thompson who just really created great men and someone who's covered the NBA and, and become friends with Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning and, and a lot of the people that John coached and doing stuff with John and the media up in DC. Right. Um, it's just it's gutting. But to get back to Chadwick Bozeman, the reason why this hurts so much is one because he's so young. Yeah. Um, but the 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 roles he played were all of legends. You know, right. Thurgood Marshall, the first Black Supreme Court justice, Jackie Robinson, as we know his history, um, and breaking the the color barrier in Major League Baseball, and then as a as a, as a superhero king. Yeah. Black, for black people, white people, they just they hadn't seen that before. And for him to right. do it with such distinction, right. um, for us to always want to see more of him and thinking he's indestructible and then having uh, this cancer take him away at the age of 43, it's it's gutting. I mean, it, yeah. it is it's horrible. It is a blow for the culture and for so many other reasons. You just feel you know horrible for his wife, uh, for a lot of people who who granted for 43 years they got to see and know and, and learn about the man but it seems like he had 43 more years left uh to make us all better people so really really tough 
Yeah, you know, I mean, the world is definitely going to miss Chadwick Bozeman. And, you know, and I just think about the fact that he was diagnosed back in 2016 and he didn't make an excuse at all. I mean, he continued to work, do these movies. You never heard him complain. I mean, no, that's why, it's, you know, it's so tragic. You know, I mean, nobody knew, you know, about, you know, what, what he was going through. So even though, you know, he played uh, King T'Challa on the Black Panther as a superhero, he was a superhero in real life because I well mean that, that warrior spirit uh, that he showed, uh, man, 12, 18 hours a day filming those movies and going through what he was going through. I mean, he's a superhero in real life in my book. Uh, maybe yeah, makes, yeah. yeah, unless you know, man, make no excuses. You never know what somebody's going through. Yeah. Um, but for someone to fight through and to persevere like that, just, just no excuse. Put it to you this way. There's no excuses to be a crappy person. Yep. You know what? Don't wake up in the mirror and you know, wake up every day, look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm not going to have a good day. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah. That's why, you know, I always say, you know, I, I try to live every day like it's my last day, you know, and no matter how bad your day was on yesterday, when you wake up in the morning and your eyes fly open and you see a brand new day, I mean, just, you know, constantly try to work to leave your mark in this world. Chadwick Bozeman definitely did. Uh, but Steve Weiss, thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. And uh, before you go and you let everyone uh, know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, look on Twitter and Instagram, simple handle at Weich, W-Y-C-H-E 89 at Weich 89. You can find me like you did. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I respond because it is. Um, as, as I have said before, it is my duty to lead, but it's my responsibility to listen and to help to the young people trying to make a place in this world. So I'm here for you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, speaking of listening, I, I know you were talking about your new podcast that you have coming yeah. out uh, September the 8th. Uh, can you tell us about that before you go? Yeah, hey, man, I'm going to join you in the podcast game. September <laughs> 8th, my, uh, my colleague, Jim Trotter, uh, one of the most respected people uh, in the media when it comes to covering the NFL. We're both Howard University graduates. We have more than 40 years covering the NFL. Oh. We are dropping the Huddle and Flow podcast. First off, as I said, an emoji, if the 100 emoji had a name, this is it. Uh, <laughs> it's very real. It's going to be a very honest podcast. We are going to talk football, but we're going to talk football issues, life issues health issues, cultural issues, mm. and we are going to constantly, constantly be banging the drums for HBCU products, yeah, HBCUs, and for everything HBCUs have contributed to this great country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that as a fellow HBCU graduate. I graduated from Jackson State University, so I'm, I'm definitely loving that. And we're going to be loving to hear from you and I'm Jim Trotter on your podcast. And uh, once again, uh, Steve, thank you very much for your time and being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. Hey, appreciate you having me, man. All right. Take care. Hey, man.